the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Good morning. Good morning online out there if you're watching with us um, around the world uh, and locally. Good morning, friends, guests, uh, family. Um, Let me pray real fast. Jesus, almighty God, we love you. King of everything. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Holy Spirit, you speak through me this morning. Uh, Guide my words. And in the name of Jesus, I come against now every spirit of fear, every spirit of doubt, unbelief, any lying or deceiving spirits, any spirits of confusion, uh, or any spirits that would try to distract uh, this morning. In the name of Jesus, um, you have no place or authority here. Jesus, thank you that you are the king of all. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. Good morning. My message this morning is um, a topic that I feel is of profound importance and is of deeply personal to me. Um, I feel like it's important for me, it's important for your life, it's important for the trajectory of the church in general. We're going to dis- uh, explore this morning the topic of deliverance ministry. And if you're not familiar with that, I will explain what that is in a, in a moment. Um, we're going to look at it from a bunch of angles, the biblical basis for it, um, the practical realities and fruit of this ministry, and why it matters for the body of Christ. And let me explain uh, partly why I specifically asked Bob if I could uh, preach this message now. Um, one, we're coming off the book of James. We talked a lot about kind of the spiritual realities of the, the realities of the spiritual realm in James. But, you know, we've run this, this deliverance ministry at this church for years, and yet 99% of the people that we do deliverance ministry for are not from this church, right? And oftentimes people will say, uh, oh, we do that here? I'm like, yeah, we do that. Like, I don't know what that is. Okay, well, there you go. So <clears throat> we're going to cover that this morning to let you know uh, what I consider to be a deeply important part of this church. Um, I, I really want to thank Bob for setting the stage for the message, not only last week, terms of just talking about the enemy we have, but in general, um, you know, the culture of any organization and definitely a church body uh, flows down from the head, and I really appreciate that we're not a church that shies away from truths that might make people feel a little uncomfortable, as a lot of churches are prone to do. Um, It's easy to grow a big church when you stick to milk-fed teaching that's easy to hear, Um, And I've spent a lot of time in churches like that throughout my life, and I'm deeply thankful that we teach what I consider to be the full counsel of God here, whether it's comfortable or not at times, right? Jesus himself, after all, said, blessed are those who are not offended by me, right? So let me start uh, by saying again, this is a deeply personal message for me. Uh, There will be a lot of logic and reason and biblical basis in this message, but there's a lot of fruit we're going to talk about that can't be denied. Um, But so you understand the validity of that fruit, I want to start with the biblical basis for these concepts. There is a lot of uh, growing acceptance and support for deliverance ministry in the church these days. It's, it's a, it's a, because there's a growing awareness and acceptance of it, but at the same time there's a lot of pushback uh, against it in the evangelical community as well. And here's typically what I see. The people that have objections and are critical of it have no experience with deliverance ministry, but they have rational objections, right? The supporters most often are people who have seen and experienced the fruit of this ministry and know that it cannot be denied, right? See, here's the thing. When Jesus told the disciples how to differentiate good from bad, he did not say, you will know a tree by its systematic theology and proper hermeneutic, right? He said, said, you will know a tree by its fruit. And what is the thing about fruit, right? You see a fruit and a fruit is attractive and and you want to eat it. It's something you go, ooh, that looks like something I want to partake in, right? That's why we talk about the fruit of the spirit, right? We as believers are to be attractive in that way. The, the, the fruit that is good fruit is something that draws you in. But this also 
harkens back to something I mentioned last time I spoke uh, up here, and that is the Hebrew word for to know, right, is the word yada, right? And that word is a, is a, is a knowledge that cannot be separated from experience, right? When Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you freed, this would have been the word he used, right? Head knowledge alone does not bring freedom, the walking out and experiencing of that truth is what sets you free. So I don't want you to see this morning as an intellectual exercise on a theological topic that might be interesting to discuss. Um, I'm asking you to lean in, to listen, and to hear the invitation to you this morning to walk more fully in the freedom of God. So what is deliverance ministry? For our purposes this morning, we're going to talk twofold. One, deliverance ministry is to help people understand, identify, and break off the work of demonic influence in their lives. That comes in a lot of different forms and from a lot of different places. And two, by doing that and clearing out spiritual garbage that has oppressed us, we look to connect, reconnect people in a deeper, more meaningful way with the Father. Here's the thing, without the second one, the first one is meaningless. Without the first one, the second one can be elusive. See, how many of you have ever said to yourself, is this really all there is to the Christian life? Like when I read the promises of the Bible, I feel like I should be experiencing more. Uh, I personally spent a lot of years in that place. In fact, the more I pressed in, studied scripture, did ministry, tried to get closer to God, the more I actually felt like there was something missing that I couldn't put my finger on. And if you feel that way, you are not alone, right? My goal this morning is to help you understand that part of what's keeping you stuck in that spot is the influence of the demonic realm in your life. And here's the reason I have to break this down this way, is because the quote from that movie is true. Right? We have chosen to let ourselves ignore the enemy of our souls, the one that comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. He would love nothing more than for you and I to continue to believe that he isn't real and can't touch you. Right. By the way, that quote is not from Verbal Kent or Kaiser Soze. Okay? It is actually from a 19th century French poet named Charles Baudelaire. So let's start here. Let's start by talking about what script, who Scripture says you are as a Christian. Okay? Here we go. One, you have died to sin and it no longer reigns over you, Romans 4. You have, you, two, you have the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. John 16. Three, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from sin and death. Romans 8. Four, you are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. 2 Corinthians 5. Five, you have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2. Six, you have been given everything you need for life and godliness. And seven, you actually participate in the divine nature of God himself. Those are Peter's words, Second Peter. So, if all that is true, one question, why aren't you perfect? <laughs> right? Why doesn't the new life in Jesus Christ that we have actually leave us completely free of sin, right? What stops us from taking hold of these truths to their fullest measure and living completely out of the promise of new life? So usually, right, the explanation falls in line, again, with our ignoring of the direct influence of the demonic, and we come up with something like, you know, the flesh, right, is what does, or the, my sin nature is what does that, right? If someone knows their Bible, they might throw out Romans 7, right? A chapter where the Apostle Paul himself laments this struggle, right? He says, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. So can we lay the blame on our flesh and our sin nature alone? I don't think so. 
and neither does Paul or James for that matter. Right? Because at the end of the chapter, Paul goes on to say this, so I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Right? And that right there is not, right? the, the, the language in the Greek there is like next to you, right? like right there with you, not you. Right? And do you remember when James said each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Right, here's the thing, the root, the root of that word enticed there in the Greek, deleadso, literally means to bait a trap. Right, figuratively, it means to entice a victim into a moral trap, luring them in through their own selfish impulses. You cannot entice yourself. Right? It requires an agent outside of you luring you in. Which begs that question, right? Who or what is enticing you? Well, what, is, what does Scripture tell us? Bob has quoted it many, many times. 1 Peter 5.8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Don't forget, this is Peter speaking to believers. Right, this is not a warning to people who don't know Jesus. So, let me be clear. This is not primarily a sermon on demons, right? but we can't talk about deliverance without discussing the demonic. So I want to be very clear on something. Demons operate primarily on lies, fear, and secrecy. They want you to think they're big and bad and scary. Right? Um, and yet, Arnold Schwarzenegger can still beat them at the end of the day. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, don't be mistaken, right? They are not without power. But the power that the demonic has in our lives comes from the authority and allegiance we give them. Right? A demon can't kill you. A demons are not 40-foot-tall fiery things, and they can't possess you on accident. Right? You don't shake someone's hand and be like, oh, did I get a demon? Ah, it's a... And I've had people question that, like, I, this guy knocked on my door, and uh, he talked to me, and I think I got a demon. I'm like, that's not how that works. That's not, yeah. um, and thank goodness, um, no one would ever answer the door. Um, <laughs> my point in saying this is to make it clear that as Christians, we stand in the full authority of Jesus Christ, and demons are not to be feared. I deal with the demonic and deliverance ministry on a regular basis, and it does not scare me. I have a respect for the craftiness and insidious ability of the devil, right, to find new ways to constantly get at me. But that's exactly why Peter says, be alert and of sober mind. Right? To be honest, let me be very clear. If you experience fear when you think about these things, there is likely a spirit of fear right, working over you in that moment. God does not fear the demonic. He does not tell us ever to fear the demonic, and the Holy Spirit will never prompt you to fear the demonic. I have known a lot of Christians that simply refuse to look at the demonic because of a sense of fear of what will happen if they engage with the enemy. But let me be clear in the words of Paul right? The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet, right? This is not a yin and yang, right? This is not a, well, there's, there's evil and there's good and they're constantly going back and forth. There is a king of the universe under whose feet everything is subject. Every knee bows to the name of Jesus, right? This is not, oh, if I just struggle and I might go back and forth, Again, they have power that we, and authority that we give them. See, often when we think of the demonic, it conjures images like this. <laughs> right? Gandalf and the, and the Balrog. I learned this is called the Balrog, but correct. <laughs> From Lord of the Rings. In reality, once you become familiar with, with the demonic, it's a bit more like this. <laughs> right. <clears throat> right. <clears throat> So I don't want to dwell too much more on that because I've got a lot of other important ground to cover, but it's very important to understand that we have every ability to contend with the demonic in our lives. 
But what's really important, right, is to understand the process through which we give the demonic rights in our life. Okay, the last time I preached on the tongue from James, I talked about how the spiritual world is the primary reality and our world is a reflection of the spiritual. In the same way, we didn't come up, right, with ideas like government or justice or legal systems, right? These systems are a reflection of the way the spiritual realm functions. And we see this time and again, right, in Scripture. The language used reflects this. Again, that passage from 1 Peter, right, 1 Peter 5.8, your adversary the devil prowls around. That word adversary, antidikos in the Greek, literally means an adversary in a lawsuit. Think plaintiff, right? Someone that brings charges against you. Diabolos, right, where we get the word devil, literally means slanderer, right? Your accuser who brings legal charges against you, the slanderer, prowls around like a roaring lion. It brings a slightly different feel to it, doesn't it? See, there's a formal legal structure to the way that the angelic and demonic realms operate. And again, I could go on for a long time about the biblical support of this, but for now, I just, I'm going to ask you to kind of trust me in that. It's, it's, maybe someday we'll do like a weekend seminar. <laughs> it's too much for today. <laughs> but understanding, understanding that piece right, brings us to the crux of how we give demonic influence rights over our life, and it hinges on this idea, power and authority, okay? And this goes all the way back to Genesis 1 and what we call the cultural mandate, okay? Genesis 1:28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground, See, God gave humanity both power and authority over this world. We are created in the image of God, and he made us to rule. We are the only creatures besides God himself in the universe with both power and authority. Demons have power, but they have no inherent authority. However, here's the kicker. We are the only creatures in the universe who can give away our authority. Satan wanted God's authority, which is what got him banished from heaven to begin with. Not having any authority of his own and not being able to take God's, where did he go next? Try to take ours. So how do we give away our authority? It's done through allegiance and agreement. This is very simple in, in, in theory, actually. See, Satan stole our authority when he convinced Adam and Eve to rebel against God's authority and truth. Rebellion is the essence of all sin because it is the turning away from God's authority. I could preach an entire sermon on that idea alone. But when Adam and Eve agreed with the lies of Satan... Right, in the garden, they gave their allegiance to the author of those lies and in doing that, freely handed over their authority to him. Listen, Jesus understood this idea and Satan used the same tactic on him. Right, when Jesus was tempted in the, by the devil in the desert after he was baptized, Luke tells us, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, look, look at this, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Right? Notice what's between the lines there. Jesus did not say, that's a lie. This world belongs to me, not to you. He didn't question that. He simply said, I will not give you my allegiance. My allegiance belongs to God alone. Jesus himself calls Satan the prince of this world. And so this is why everyone born is a slave to sin. 
and under the authority of Satan. But this world and everything in it is under his purview. See, except that when Jesus died, right, John tells us very clearly, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Jesus reestablished his kingdom here on earth for those who believe in him, right? In other words, those who returned their allegiance to him. His death made that possible, and the invitation is there, and those who believe in him, right, are redeemed to that place. This is why we're told in Romans, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. See, by doing that, we are redeemed to our proper place with the authority we were meant to have to begin with. Right, which means the hierarchy in the spiritual realm looks like this, right? God Almighty redeemed humanity, those who belong to Jesus, angels, demons, and Satan, and unredeemed humanity, right? There's a big gap between two and four there. See, look at it this way. When you're born, your house, if your soul, imagine your soul is a house. When you're born, the deed to that house belongs to the enemy. All the lights are off. But when you come to Jesus and, you, and, and the deed to that house changes, right? Ownership of that house changes, all the lights go on, right? He legally owns that house. You no longer belong, you are now up above that, right? But we can rent out rooms, right? We can rent out rooms to the enemy. We can make agreements, right? We can sign a lease, so to speak, right? Give legal rights to the devil to be there. Enemy moves in, light goes out. Do that enough times, boy, your house gets pretty dark. Right, see, if I rent a room somewhere and the, and the landlord shows up one day and says, you need to get out, right, get out. I might go, Okay, I'll go to the park, I'll go for a walk, I'll go to the store. But I'm not moving out. I have a legal right to be here. If you want me to move out, you have to cancel my lease. The same is true with the demonic. Once we've given allegiance to the enemy through rebellion, sin, believing lies, and all the other ways that they gain those rights, they will be there until those rights are broken. We can weaken them, absolutely. We can weaken them through disciplined behavior. We can weaken them through prayer and seeking. And, and, but those rights will remain, which is oftentimes why we end up in a place of thinking, I've fought this thing for so long, I've done everything I can do, and yet it always just seems to nag at me and, and not go away, right? There's still a, there's still a, a Klingon, right? There's still a, something holding on there that goes, I don't have to move out yet. This is why, right, in Scripture, again, when, when Judas betrayed Jesus, right, it says Satan entered into him. And why Jesus would say later, look at this, the prince of the, the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Some translations interpret that word as no power over me or no hold over me. But in the Greek, it's quite literally two letters. It's quite literally in See, what we do in deliverance ministry is just that. We go about identifying the roots of the demonic rights in someone's life, helping them understand the lies and behavior that have allowed those rights, and then breaking and canceling those rights to establish a new freedom and connection with the Father. To be clear, it all happens in a very controlled environment through a guided conversation with the Holy Spirit. This is not therapy. It's not a prayer group. It's not a Bible study. And I want to also, side note, this is also not what you will see on YouTube. Okay? Um, if you, most often when people say, um, you know, what's deliverance ministry? You know, what do you guys do to deliver? I go, don't YouTube deliverance ministry. Please don't do that. Um, 
if you choose to, feel free. Um, what you will see there is not necessarily wrong or bad, but it has no relationship to what we do here. There's a lot more potential of theatrics to it, I suppose, a lot more yelling and screaming and things like that. And I've had people schedule a session and then go, yeah, I don't want to do that. I'm like, what do you want to mean? Well, I looked it up on YouTube. Oh, okay. It's not, don't, don't go, yeah, it's not what we do. Um, so what we do is, is a, a guided prayer session. It's about a two-hour session. And it is not a conversation with me and you, if I'm leading the session, it is a conversation with me guiding, the Holy, guiding you with speaking with the Holy Spirit. See, here's the deal. There is nothing in all of church ministry I have ever come across or seen that does what deliverance ministry does. I often liken it to spiritual surgery, right? The Holy Spirit can walk you through the history of your life from the inside out in a way no pastor, mentor, Bible study leader, or prayer partner can do. It is a profound experience. And let me give you, so let me give you a couple quick examples, right, of how someone might make allegiance with these things and, and give the demonic rights in their life. I did a session uh, with a woman whose parents were divorced when she was four years old. Four years old. She remembers sitting on her dad's lap, feeling like it was her fault that the divorce was happening, feeling worthless and feeling abandoned. On top of that, her dad considered suicide after the divorce. As adults, it's very easy for us to look at the reality of that situation and go, none of those things are true, right? Four-year-olds don't cause divorce. She wasn't worthless. She wasn't abandoned, right? So why would she think those things? Well, psychologically, of course, we know divorce is very traumatic on a young child, but it's times like that the enemy takes advantage of. See, she heard lies from the devil at a young age. She believed them, and those spirits signed a lease. Now, a middle-aged mother and wife, those thoughts and lies have carried with her her entire life, pattern after cycle, after cycle, after cycle, right? This is, and this is a woman who is deeply involved in, thing, in, in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I mean, she's not, uh, you know, um, a, a surface-level believer, right? She has fought against these things time and again and again and again and again, and yet they remain. So the Holy Spirit took her back to that memory, identified those entry points, and replaced those lies with truth. It's beautiful freedom. See, the devil most often takes advantage of us as children. Why? Because we're easy to deceive. And those strongholds and legal rights can last a lifetime if they aren't confronted. This is why they can be so hard to identify. Because you're so used to hearing those things, you assume it's just part of who you are. It's not. And it's not the way God made you to live. There are, there are a lot of other ways the enemy can gain rights in our lives, and I, I just don't have time to flesh all that out, but it can come through generational things, right? Generational sin. Parents, you have spiritual authority over your children, and demons can use that to create patterns in families. There was also a spirit of suicide present for this woman because of her dad's engagement with that spirit, she had heard that voice as well, but she had never given into it. She had fought it. But her daughter had heard it as well and had attempted suicide. The Holy Spirit dealt with that as well. If you have ancestors or family members who are or were involved in organizations like the Freemasons or other associated lodges who have dabbled in Wicca or tarot or gone to see psychics, these are all very easy doors to the occult and witchcraft, right? Involvement in those things opens rights to the demonic very quickly over a person's life. They seem fun and harmless. They're not, right? We've actually talked about doing a, a, a seminar here on, on, the, on the Freemasons, on Freemasonry, that 
profoundly demonic organization. Hard, again, I have no time to go into that, but it is, it is the depth of that when you, when you research it is profound. People are like, ah, it's just a bunch of guys getting together. No, it's not. Yeah. Yeah, just saying. <laughs> um, okay. So I've just begun to skim the surface of the biblical basis for deliverance. Perhaps someday we'll do, like I said, some more in-depth stuff. But for now, I want to switch gears and explain why this message is so uh, personal for me. Um, some of you out there know my story better than others, and I have alluded to bits here and there in previous messages. Um, but this is where I want you to understand the reality of what deliverance ministry can do. See, if... Five years ago, if you had looked at me and said, you're going to be a, a pastor of a church preaching, I would have laughed in your face and probably used some very choice words. Okay? The devil played the long game with me, as he is prone to do. I grew up in the church, good kid, involved in youth group, firstborn, never rebellious as a kid. In fact, I fell in love with the things of God at a very young age. Started studying theology and doing volunteer ministry in high school. By the time I hit college, I was pretty sure I would be in vocational ministry as a career path. Took a year off of school in Boulder and was on a staff at a church in Boulder up there. To make a long story very short, Kelly and I married a few years later and I ended up starting a construction company instead of doing full-time ministry. The thing about the devil is, see, he has a lot of time. He's been around for a long time and he'll still be here when you and I go to heaven. And because of that, he is an expert at playing the long game. It doesn't matter to the devil if he gets you as a kid or as a teen or as an adult with kids of your own. Demons will work and work and work and keep working. Because that's all I have to do. They don't take vacation, they don't need breaks, they don't go on strike for better health care, right? They have a singular focus, and that is to keep you as far away as they can from realizing the amazing love and freedom of God in your life. See, like I said, he played the long game with me too. He poked and he poked and he poked until I took one slow step after another, so that quiet lie got a little louder and eventually I chose to believe it. He will work through circumstances, relationships, family members, jobs, or anything else he can use to lie to you and move you away from the truth. Right? It took 42 years for me to end up in a place where I was pretty convinced that if God even still knew my name, there was no way he could be interested in me. And this... This may sound a little dark, but I want to be really honest and transparent about the reality of the spiritual realm. I woke up most mornings in my head, I thought, I hate my life and I want to die. Sometimes I spoke those words out, but they were there. But see, now, now I understand that was not my voice. Those were not my thoughts. Those were lies being spoken to me by something that wanted me dead. Okay, is that so hard to believe? Right? Listen, we are designed to know, hear, and interact with the spiritual realm. We are spiritual creatures first. But we've spent so much time ignoring and believing it's not there that we don't know how to recognize who is speaking to us. See, especially if you're a believer with the Holy Spirit inside of you, you are meant to hear spiritually. Just ask Jackie. <laughs> the lies you hear in your head, listen to me, they are not your voice. <laughs> Once again, you have the very mind of Christ. Given a choice, why would you speak to yourself that way? But the reality is found in the fact that we can't stop hearing those voices, can we? We can't stop hearing those lies because we're not the ones speaking. See, those things that you constantly struggle believing that drag you down, oh, everyone's judging me. You know, I'm never going to be successful. 
I'm just a broken person, right? Boy, I just, I don't know why I can't seem to process this anger and get past it. Right? Those are not the thoughts of God toward you. Those are lies that you have agreed to believe. So remember what I asked at the beginning, why aren't you perfect? Right? Aside from being enticed by an enemy that hates you, what reason do you have to believe things like that about yourself? Are you just that bad at accepting God's love for you? Right? Why does the Apostle John tell Christians, Christians, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God? Right? Again, not talking to people that don't know Jesus. He's talking to people that do know Jesus. Test them. Careful. Right? Paul warns of the same thing. Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Listen, demonic influence doesn't show up in your mind and go, you know what, you're a jerk and nobody likes you, right? Is the father of lies that obvious? Right? The enemy is insidious in his tactics and just about the time you think you see him, he'll come around the back at you with something else. That's why Peter says, be alert, right? The real danger of a prowling lion is that you don't know it's there, if you knew the direction the lying was coming from, right, you could defend yourself. But see, I grew up in a church that didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. We didn't talk about things like angels and demons that couldn't be reasoned through. So I had no context for any of this. Right? If we talked about 1 Peter 5.8 and a prowling lion, it meant you didn't drink too much. Right? You didn't cuss. You didn't watch bad movies. Right? All the bad and dangerous stuff was out there. Right? It wasn't in here. But again, if you remember my sermon on the tongue, this is the first battleground. This is where the enemy prowls around. He's not down a dark alley. He's in the dark corners of your mind. That's where he prowls. And the clearest example I can give you is this. Not everyone here has struggled with thoughts of suicide. But if you have, you know this. You have heard something tell you, you should just kill yourself. Right? Time and again, I've heard people say that. And I know the, the heaviness and the darkness that accompanies that thought. But listen, there is nothing as demonic as suicide. Did you hear that? Why does it always show up in the second person? You should do this. Right? The spirit of death and suicide is so bold, it doesn't even try to hide. It doesn't even try to make you think it's your thought. Do you need a clearer example that something outside of you is enticing you toward death? It is an entirely unnatural demonic attack. And listen, if you are plagued by thoughts like that and have made agreements with those, you need to break those agreements. You need to break those rights. That is never God's intention for anyone. And the good news is breaking them is easy. Time and again, I have seen people struggle with spirits of death and suicide, and it takes about three minutes in a deliverance session, and they're broken. Things that have scared them and tormented them for years. They are not powerful. They just want you to think so, but they are very dangerous if you don't contend with them. Listen, freedom is literally prayer away right so come and get it okay so five years ago short five years ago that's where I found myself no hope miserable the enemy had finally dragged me down to a point where he had kicked me to the gutter and left me to die and that's when I was introduced to deliverance ministry and I thought well can't hurt (laughs) got nowhere else to go and listen to me, I mean, on top of that, I thought, I don't even know the Holy Spirit. How can I hear from the Holy Spirit? This is a silly thing. This isn't going to work. And in a two-hour session, everything changed. And I don't want that to sound overly dramatic or like hyperbole because that's exactly what happened. In a two-hour session, I watched things break off of my heart and soul that I had struggled with for 30-plus years with no victory. I heard things speak to me and tell me the lies they had been whispering in my ear my entire life. 
You have no idea how freeing it is to hear a lie that you believed your whole life and finally go, that's not my thought. (laughs) This disgusting thing has been whispering in my ear for decades. I remember a week later finding myself in a situation of temptation I had faced many times and suddenly going, that's funny. I'm suddenly not thinking or feeling the same way about this as I have for decades. Right, see, when you come out of prison after a long time, freedom feels very strange. But when God brings freedom, it is swift and it is fierce. And it did not take me very long to realize how absolutely profound his love and mercy for me is in a way I never understood. It also did not take very long for me to develop an absolute hatred of all things demonic and a deep desire to see everyone around me experienced the same freedom I received. And so two years after that, we showed up here at Discover for the first time. Three years after that, I was deeply involved in volunteering here. Four years after that, a short year ago, I was installed as a pastor here, and now I stand here a short five years later in a place that I could not even ever have imagined a short time ago. And not only did God break from me all that bondage that I had suffered so long, he used that freedom to fulfill the dream I had as a young man. See, we just sang that right before. You turn graves into gardens. You turn shame into glory. You bring beauty from ashes. This is the God that we serve. Without deliverance ministry, folks, I would not be standing here, and I probably wouldn't be here, right? So listen, the invitation stands, right? You don't have to be desperate where I was in order to benefit it from this ministry. It certainly serves that purpose, but maybe you have just lived under the pain of low self-worth or anger or rage or addiction or fear or a, a constant you know, struggle with money or just lusting after the things of the world, right? You're feeling your life is about material things, or right? These are all lies of the enemy. Let me sum it up this way. If there is anything in your heart that you believe that is contrary to what God says about you in his word, then come and get free from it. Stop being so comfortable with the lies that you've heard that you hold on to them like a child's blanket. Right, like this is just part of me. I'm comfortable, this is who I am, I just know this. Right, I'm comfortable here. They're not helping you. In fact, they're keeping you from everything that God has for you. And listen, this is not just my story, right? I've led the deliverance team here for a couple years. Bob led it for many years before that. There are people in our church here who are on the team. We have all seen person after person after person experience this freedom the kind of freedom Jesus promised that changes lives and transforms marriages and silences the voice of the enemy from wherever it comes. See, this fruit is beautiful and it is tasty and it is worth pursuing. And once you taste it, there is nothing like it. Real fast. This is the the, the email to the, the deliverance ministry here. You can find it on a website. You can take a picture of that. It's simple. You can write it down. Any email you send there is completely confidential. If you want to, if you're like, I'm not sure I want to discuss this more, fine, email it. I'm happy. Those emails come directly to me. I'm happy to meet with you. I've done that many times. Happy to meet with you and just discuss it and explain it and how it goes. And, you know, again, I don't want people going, I don't know. I'd, I'd rather just stay away from it. Right? The enemy will try everything he can to tell you to not reach out because he knows what happens when you do. So again, please hear that invitation this morning. Okay, so why are we talking about this in the middle of a series on the body of Christ? Thanks for hanging with me for a few extra minutes here. One, three points, one, because isolation is a powerful tool of the devil. 
We need each other and we need the community of believers to help us recognize when we're being lied to and the things that have held us captive for so long. See, like a prowling lion, if he can get you away from the group, you're in much greater danger. The body of Christ is a mirror that God uses to reveal things he wants to heal in our hearts and souls. He uses the relationships here and sometimes the friction (laughs) to bring to light the enemy, the places the enemy is at work. See, don't be afraid of that. This is not a place of judgment or shame. If we don't expose those things in our lives, we hand the enemy an easy victory. That's part of why I want to make known my story here so you don't come and go, well, I'm the only one that struggles. You're not. I mean, I stand here right? Again, having walked that road. Two, if we don't understand who our actual enemy is, then as the church, we will continue to hate people who are actually just captives that need to be set free. See, one of the biggest failures of the church today is that we treat people around us like they are our enemies. People are not our enemies, they are captives of our enemy. And Jesus made it very clear that he came to set the captives free, and he did not mean from Roman occupation. So you have been set free, so don't forget that. The people you don't agree with and don't like and you think are ruining the world are also captives that have yet to be set free. They are not our enemies, and they will not know the love or freedom of God if we keep treating them like they are. Listen to what Paul says to the early church. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Okay? This stuff is all throughout Scripture. Right? We read stuff like that. We're like, oh, yeah, taking them captive to do our will. Okay, that means what it says. Right? Uh, see, once you understand the direct and constant impact of the demonic on the world around you, you can back up and get a new perspective on the culture wars that are raging. Right? This isn't about flags and red and blue states and, you know, who's right or wrong. This is about an enemy that destroys everything and a God who rescues those who come to him. But people have to know he's worth coming to and that is our mandate as the church. Okay, three. This is the work of the kingdom and an underutilized tool to find the life in God you've always wanted. See, if you're one of these people I mentioned at the beginning who feels like there's always been a disconnect between your life, the life you've been promised and the life you live, this is what's missing. As the body of Christ, we have been far too disinterested in the well-being of the other parts of the body around us. We cannot be the church we're meant to be while we're shackled by our enemy. God does not lose And he did not rescue us into his kingdom so we could live as prisoners of war. Every knee in heaven and on earth bows to the name of Jesus and there is no demon that can stand against him. There has never been a deliverance session ended where I said, oh darn, we lost that one, but we'll get him next time. Like, right? There is only ever one outcome when I step in that room. The problem is that too many people have gone too long without knowing that room exists. So, for, so <laughs> let me be clear. I know what some of you are hearing right now. This is so weird. Why are we talking about this? This cannot be real, can it? Uh, this isn't for me. I don't struggle with these things. It's for the other guy. Right? Those are the very lies I'm talking about. Okay? The devil 
has never not gotten to anyone. There are lies you believe in your life. It's just a matter of recognizing what they are. And here's the thing, right? You also go, you're probably thinking, well, I haven't made any agreements with anything. These are not agreements that we often make knowingly, right? I'm not asking you the last time you sat down with a demon and said, so what do you think? Should we do this? Like, that's not, right? <laughs> right? These are lies and deceptions, right? We are all prone to be deceived because that is what he is an expert at. We all have a flesh and we all get enticed. It's a matter of how. Some of us deeper than others, Right? But understanding this and recognizing these things can only bring greater freedom in your life. That's it. That's all. That's the only outcome. Right? See, this stuff is not strange. Right? It's all throughout Scripture. It's just new to you because we've lost our perspective and ignored it for so long. And moreover, again, the fruit of this ministry cannot be denied. There are plenty of people in here who can testify to that. Do not let the enemy of your soul steal the beauty of the invitation God is giving you today. Please, please listen, please lean in, please consider these things. And I'll leave you with the words of Jesus from John 8, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Freedom is real, folks. Come and get it. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, so we have a prayer team in the back. <laughs> um, if this is something you want to do, some of these folks are on our deliverance team. They certainly all know about deliverance. But um, you know, again, this is something you can just say, hey, I'm interested in this. They can give you the email. You can get prayer over certain things now, absolutely. If you're online, you can request prayer online. We have a whole platform that allows you to do that. Um, but reach out. Let us know, right? Let us know this is something that, that, is, that, that, that will be here for a long time. Um, all right, let me pray, and then we'll do communion. Lord Jesus, powerful king of everything, thank you for who you are. Thank you that I stand here. Thank you that I can stand here as a testimony to your freedom, your power, your glory, and to the beauty that you bring out of ashes. I love you. I thank you for the road that I have walked and the, and, and the mercy it has, it has given me toward those around me. Thank you for your redemption. Um, I pray a blessing over everyone here in the name of Jesus Christ. That, that they would hear your invitation for freedom today, Holy Spirit, and they would consider it and carry it uh, into this week with them. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, we're gonna do communion. <laughs> Most of you know how this works, but if you haven't been here, um, the way communion works here, we come, you can come down to the center aisles. We'll have a couple over here and a couple over here um, with bread and wine. If you don't want bread or wine, there are self-serve cups in the back as well as uh, gluten-free crackers and bread back there and juices back there. Um, you can come up here and just dip the bread in the wine um, and go from it that way. This is the blood and the body that bought our freedom, right? So take it today. As you take the communion today, think about the freedom Christ has for you and that he bought for you and, 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 and let it roll up into a desire to partake more deeply in that. All right, we'll let the worship team... Go. Thank you. <laughs>